0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
3: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Seats Mallover Podcast. The only rugby podcast gives you the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mallover Podcast, Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook, although we don't do much there. Uh, all of our podcasts are available on Apple pods and Spotify and Google podcasts. So I did get Alexa. I managed to get Alexa to play more over podcasts, but you have to have a Spotify account. So that was nine I'm never getting back <laughs> <laughs> just, just for that specific test. A month. Yeah. I, I no, it was a for a while. Well, it was a, a free month. So technically not nine 99 and I won't be renewing that subscription. Um, it's another punching chat, punching chat six. They seem to be relatively popular. We've got a queue of people wanting to come on. Um, at uh, Shanghai, Matt on Twitter will be disappointed because there's no Ben Eustace tonight, um, the nicest man on Twitter.
0: Ben Definitely. Has a, the, ben has an actual fan.
3: He has an actual fan. There's like a proper like, love in going on. Um, ironically, Speaking ironically, really. ironically he seemed to have fallen out with Patrick the other week. But you know, that, that was uh, that was an interesting, interesting thing. Um, so, in place of Ben, we have Patrick. Welcome, Pat.
4: Thanks, Russ. It's nice of you to have a rugby league guy on board. It's good to know you're an equal opportunities air broadcaster.
3: Equal opportunities from all over podcast productions uh, from the Long Snapper podcast. Um, Stephenish fan... Long Snapper
4: podcast.
3: <laughs> to, to long Snapper <laughs> podcast. So, Stevenage fan. And what is your rugby league team then?
4: Uh, Sheffield Eagles.
3: Oh. Yes. Excellent. No Super League this summer. Is that, is that Super League finished as well? Is that all off?
4: Probably. It's hard to see anything getting going soon at this point, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Let's, let's oh, not get i
4: by a horsefly at the old
2: Sheffield Eagles stadium. Don Valley. Good times. Yeah.
4: I'll tell you
1: what. If, if Super League's off for the summer, that's going to be 2,500 really disappointed people.
4: Mm. <laughs> <Instant> <laughs> Trudging everything. around in their trench coats in the drizzle.
3: Yeah, those industrial industrial towns in the north are really gonna suffer. Um you've heard Doug, you've heard Phil, as usual, and in the chair is uh, Mr. A.D. Foxcroft, the host of Punching Chat, who is now world-renowned. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for hosting.
0: <laughs> a pleasure to well, um, it's good good fun as long as they keep letting us doing it. That that isn't a sentence. I've just left my grammar at home.
3: Keep letting us doing it.
0: <laughs> I was distracted because I realised I, yeah, I didn't have my soundboard ready and I had to wait for the little app to play an advert. So I was panicking and wasn't really listening.
4: But Fair enough. You right. your grammar is a good example of social distancing. So you're doing a good thing there.
3: <laughs> let's uh, let's wade into some punching <laughs> chat, shall we?
0: Yes. Let's do this. And in the traditional mallover Over podcast way, we'll start off with a, a rugby question. And quite simply, which player has had the most natural talent completely go to waste? And Phil, we will go to you first.
1: Well, I'm guessing Russ has got the obvious answer but just because it's obvious doesn't make it right because it was the obvious one that I went for first. And then I went, no, actually that's I I scrapped it before Adam even told me that it'd gone. Um, The correct answer is 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 a fullback who has all of the attributes that you want from a fullback. He can, he can catch fantastically. He's got hands like Sonny Bill Williams. He glides across the pitch, like Philippe seller just twice as quick. Um, He's got good hair. He's a nice looking bloke. Unfortunately, he seems to have an issue with a large proportion of, of society who like people of the same gender as themselves. Um, and as a result, has cut his career short by about six or seven years. So I give you Izileli Falau, who as far as as long as punching chat's going to co- go on, he's going to come up as an answer for me probably every two or three weeks because the guy's a prick. And that's all I've got to say about it.
0: It's fair enough. It's it's a different way to make your natural
4: talent go to waste. I'll give him that. Okay, Uh, Pat, who have you got? I thought I'd gone for the obvious answer as well, but I didn't now I've heard that one. Um, I went for Danny Cipriani. And and I did this, I prefaced this by saying my rugby union following is basically at the international level. I don't follow club rugby that closely. More closely now I've started listening to more over, but not as closely. And he's a guy who was built up massively in the media so maybe it's more their fault than his fault but he has had his own um fair share of misdemeanors drink driving ban arrested for assault and uh, resisting arrest punched a female police officer in that incident so he's only made 16 caps i expected a lot more from the media hype that surrounded him when he broke onto the scene that's a good that's an nfl player list of, of badge of honors
2: if you will Uh, Dougie, uh, let's just check. Yeah. My mic's on. Um, I'm going to go a little bit more left field actually. And a player that started out at Yorkshire, not maybe, maybe, maybe not, um, a name you'd expect to come up with this to be perfectly honest, but, uh, a guy by the name of Don Barrow, who born in Sheffield, Pat, didn't know if you know that, but, uh, yep. Um, England under 20s international um won the world under 20s I think actually with um England um indeed he did 2013 in France um really burst onto the scene forming a quite decent partnership with um Will Welsh up at Newcastle um and looked quite good and then got got a, a big move to Leicester and sort of settled in there for a bit but then didn't um didn't really kick on and uh was released, um, played for La Rochelle, then signed by the Saints. Um, And I thought he was going to be a really good player for Saints, but just sort of disappeared, got injured and never really came back and then retired, just out of the blue, and now works in finance, I believe. So, yeah, a player that really could have gone on to be a big star in the English game. Um, Rumours that maybe he was a bit of a prickly customer, didn't really fit in with the um, professional sport Dynamic, just gone, gone from rugby.
0: The Zaffer Ansari of rugby. Yeah.
3: Zaffer Ansari, what, yeah. A, what a great point of reference that is.
0: <laughs> it's niche. Uh, Russ, to finish this off.
3: Um, well, if the obvious answer that Phil was looking for was Quaid Cooper, then it was the, the correct one.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I called, sure it I called it wrong. I was, <laughs> Patrick was obviously the one who went for the obvious answer. Uh,
3: born in New Zealand, which, you know, in 1988, he has made 70 appearances for Australia, um, two for Australia Sevens. But his career has been marred by off-field incidents, falling outs with establishments, no less uh, charge of burglary for allegedly taking two laptops from a residence in the Gulf Coast. Uh, accused of deliberately kneeing Richie McCraw in the face. Um He stated that he'd been dumped from the Olympic team for the Australia Sevens in 2016 uh, because he did not hold Australian citizenship, when in fact it was the fact that he was playing for Australia in the tournament travelling on a New Zealand passport, of which he was a a dual citizenship holder. So why not just use your Australian passport? Um, Much in the way as Darren Cipriani, as Pat mentioned, has been revered and held in such high regard, um, I would mark Quade Cooper as the antipodean Danny Cipriani, and very much has, has followed a very similar path. Um, both extremely talented, but both mildly dickish. You know, Sean Maitland's cousin. <laughs> yeah, he is, yeah. You would look at Wikipedia too.
2: Sean McMaitland?
3: No. Sean McMaitland,
2: no. yeah. <laughs> it's
0: just a list of petty crime, really, that question. That's how it ended up with it. <laughs> There we go. All right. Next, next up was. Yeah, Ro-
1: he's Australian. What do you expect?
3: Oh, no, technically, it's from New Zealand.
0: Same thing. OK, with coronavirus and the quiz documentary uh, about the, the major who cheated his way to a million, um, they're both featuring coughing. There you go. That's tenuous. But at what key moments in sporting history would you like to have coughed and who would you be putting off? Um, we'll go back to you, Russ.
3: I would like to have coughed throughout the entire of the 2019 Ashes series. Uh, whenever Steve Smith was at the crease, the <laughs> guy uh, very much like Alastair Cook in 1011, that they the Australians couldn't get out. Steve Smith basically single-handedly won the Ashes for Australia or retained the Ashes for Australia in 2019. Um, Byron Ben Stokes' is heroics at Headingley, which you know we all know th- quite a bit about. Um, smith scored uh he scored 774 uh runs in four matches because he missed the headingley test because of a concussion protocol um he was almost un-get-outable. and between him and manus Labashagni, um had some england had some real issues getting out so if i could have coughed and found a way that, to push stick-
2: yeah.
3: yeah i know yeah it was a joke mate um <laughs>
2: I didn't I
3: didn't I didn't spend the whole of last summer watching him bat and not know what his name is um yeah Steve Smith I wish I could cough and put him off and find a way to just get him out
1: all right Phil point of order is actually Labushkagni if you pronounce it in his native South African just throwing that out there um so uh I am going into a high up meeting in the ECB um, where they are discussing what to do about dwindling numbers in the, in the coffers of the ECB, fewer people wanting to pay to come and watch cricket. How do we revitalize cricket in the UK? How do we take it to the next stage and get more money in it? And then just as somebody who's probably spiked his water glass with a lot of vodka, comes up with the fantastic idea to change the number of balls in an over, change the number of overs in a game, and come up with a completely novel, made-up system, purely because it involves a round number, I am going to cough like shit so that nobody else in the room ever hears of the hundred. Nobody at the ECB ever hears of it, never leaves that room, never gets mainstream media attention. We don't have to piss about with stupid franchise names. We don't have to pretend to get excited about some shitty draft. And yeah, let's just keep cricket as it is.
0: Yeah, playing to the host. (laughs) It gets you points. Who'd have
4: thought it? Pat? I'm going to be coughing at a uh, Mr. Willie Gatlin, a name who's probably not familiar immediately, he's the father of American sprinter Justin Gatlin, and I will be coughing to put him off <laughs> conceiving said Justin Gatlin. Justin Gatlin has—he's he's one of the people in sport I despise the most. He served two drugs bans: banned in 2001 for uh, amphetamine abuse, banned in 2006 for um, testosterone, artificial testosterone precursors. The second drugs ban, he claimed absolute innocence and got eight years um, banned from the sport. He then provided evidence as to how the doping infringement happened and had four of those years commuted. So claimed evidence and then, sorry, claimed innocence and then gave evidence against people about what the crime that happened once he was found guilty is classic. He's won Olympic gold, four world golds, two world, two Olympic silvers and six world silvers um, and coughing to put him off one of those isn't enough i need to cough to stop him being in the world Out. just just humor me a minute at which exact moment do you do the coughing i mean i think any point a random white dude turns up in their bedroom is going to put him off <laughs> enough to be honest
1: during the warm-up routine
4: yeah those, those four, or four or five seconds are
1: pretty vital aren't a, they?
3: a random white dude <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're going
0: to be baffled, aren't you? Let's face it. All right, Doug, what have you got?
2: Well, I'm going to take you back to 1.8 million years BC and the um, the appearance of stone tools in France, um, which is the earliest recorded date that I can find of of anything French. Um, and I would cough really loudly and say nothing to see here, move along to whoever mate he was who crafted those fine stone tools. Possibly by Homo erectus um, at um, Chillac at Haut uh, Loire, um, because that would lead to the formation of the French nation, which would in turn lead to Louis X of France uh, around the 13th century becoming enamored with a game called Game of the Palm, which would evolve into real tennis, which would later evolve <laughs> into actual tennis. And my mind that went never to happened, a
3: completely different place when you said Game of the Palm. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, <laughs> maybe that's where the wanker term comes from. Anyway, um, so yeah. It, Russell's it, it, in the room with
1: Justin Gatlin's mum and dad there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it, it would be to the Homo erectus who first stumbled on the plains of uh, ancient France 1.8 million years ago and in very tenuous circumstances leaded, led to tennis.
0: It's the tenuous circumstances that get you the points. Okay, next up. With the NFL draft last week, which contains no actual sports, setting viewer records, um, the mind goes to wonder, what events could other sports set up in a similar fashion to entertain the masses while we're in lockdown? Um, And, Doug, let's start with you.
2: I'm going to stay on the tennis team, and I would have uh, four hours of ball boys throwing sweaty towels at tennis players.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, more points. There you go. It's
3: just a deadly serious face at the end of it that you'd be more than happy to watch it and you'll film it for a fee.
2: <laughs> I genuinely would. It's just not even joking.
0: Okay, Russ.
3: Um, esports are a really big thing. Um, they have millions of viewers and YouTubers and all these sort of people, but I think, and I think this may have been bought up before, The way the premiership season, football, rugby, all these sports seasons should be finished with players from the actual team playing each other at FIFA, maybe even pro clubs. If you've ever played pro clubs at FIFA, where you're all on the same team and you play in your position, so they all have to be online at the same time. They all have to play FIFA, but in their own positions and then finish the premiership season via the medium of pro clubs
0: fuck off mate that'd be dr- you're not having any points I bet that. That's you, dreadful. I bet you, that would be I, unwatchable
3: but i bet you the amount of people that watch it would be unbelievable
2: oh yeah if you and could be it, if, if you put it it would be absolute whistle though wouldn't it
3: oh yeah absolutely but it would get the viewing figures in advertising you know you seen the the whole esports thing at the O2 or wherever they do it it's fucking mental.
4: And they already held a tournament on Twitch and the Norwich City it was fans and players the Norwich City player was uh, Todd Cantwell who knocked out the uh, Stevenage random 16-year-old fan who was playing which was quite embarrassing. <laughs> Good for him. Um yeah the the flogging ball
0: boys with towels is winning the no flog, flogging by the ball boys I should say. Uh Phil, what's your idea? Yeah,
1: um, yeah, the whole esports idea. Shit, sorry, Russ. So
3: fucking bandwagon.
1: (laughs)
2: It's
1: easy to get on a bandwagon when everybody else on it's right.
2: Um... (laughs) Does it it cease to be a bandwagon if it's actually a fact? I don't
1: know. Um, So. I think what you've got to do is you've got to look at embracing something that captures the public spirit at various times. And there's, there's been TV programs that have done that across the years. So I'm thinking of like, your your big brothers that came along that everybody kind of got into. And at the moment, the obviously the popular one is, is love Island. And you've had various different celebrity versions of this. And I, and I want to take you to a celebrity version of naked attraction. Um, so, uh, instead of the, the traditional Naked Attraction where you have a contestant who gets to see various people's bodies as they get, get revealed and pick one, I want public voting um, and I want some kind of severe punishment. I'm thinking like old school gunge tanking from, um, from Pat Sharp kind of days for whoever loses. But the first two contestants that I'm going to have on Naked Attraction whose bodies get slowly revealed it's going to be Alan wynne Jones against Joe Marler.
0: <laughs> yeah, again, I'd probably watch. Weirdly, I should admit that, but you, you would not be able to resist. You, know, the screens, little,
1: would you The screens are going to have to go up different amounts each time because, guaranteed, like, every <laughs> there's every... a foot's difference in, in in height there. I'm
3: I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm with Adam. I'd secretly watch it because, uh, yeah. I'm convinced and I can't be the only one that thinks that thinks this and maybe this is a bit too far but everybody everybody would be moderately interested in how big a cock every other sportsman in the world has got. I just think it would be funny. <laughs> it just it just it would it, it would be intriguing. <laughs> uh, I and, think the, and probably like, right the and silence just, there spoke and, volumes didn't it.
1: <laughs> I think you'd be right Russ, but just just for the record, no, it's not. No.
4: And, and
3: Andy Goode and his little walnut whip dick. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It will lead me on to my answer for, for another one anyway.
0: Excellent. Uh, Pat, I don't think we've heard from
4: you on this. Yeah, I think I'm the last one. Um... I would go for some sort of training camp combine type event. So a lot of clubs are starting to go back to training now. Um, Certainly Arsenal announced they are reopening their training grounds and they're only doing individual training drills. So why not have one consistent set of individual drills done across all of the players and all of the teams and then you can see really who is the best athlete in sport across those different events. And you could do it multi-sports, not even just within a single sport. So we could learn a lot from that. I think it would be very interesting.
3: Do you remember? And I know I've mentioned this on more over before. Do you remember on Saint and Greavesy where they did the um, every one player from every club and they did a hundred meter sprint? Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember that?
0: John Williams.
3: John Williams, the flying postman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Junior Bent from Bristol City. I do remember that. Um, they should do that, like for for. But like Pat says, that's that's the answer. Like a combine, brilliant. <laughs>
0: A few, a few more points for that pat i was I, I actually initially thinking that probably sounds terrible but no i would watch that um we're pretty bored pretty much anything except <laughs> esports. sports okay a quick look at the scores russ yeah that hurt you you're on 24 doug on 42 pat 35 phil on 41 um but you know it's early days okay now we get into the highbrow stuff um I don't know if you saw in the NFL draft, but the Detroit Lions drafted a guy called John Penacini, or Penicini. I don't know how it's pronounced, Um, but the question is who is the biggest penis in
4: sports? And Pat, we'll start with you. I mean, there's so many choices for this. I mulled over a lot. I don't want to list them in case someone else has gone for them, but I ended up picking the guy who has annoyed me pretty much more than anyone else in his sport. And that's, Saying a deal because there's a lot of dickheads in that sport, he's maybe literally throw things at the television in annoyance. And that man is Sebastian Vettel, he's a selfish asshole. <laughs> and when he took out Mark Webber, who was his teammate and it was ahead of him in the drivers' championship and driving better, it's just he's the worst man you'd want as a teammate, and he's the biggest penis in sport
1: formula go. one's made me chuck stuff at the tv before but generally just to get it off
2: <laughs> you know the remote control does that
1: Now yeah, you've well, got to throw no. things
2: okay doug uh joe marler next <laughs>
3: <laughs> joe Marla, joe, i think joe, doug shoehorns joe marler into an answer for a question once a week there's a secret bit of love
0: Okay, Russ, who have you got?
3: Um, I read this question slightly differently. Um, Not who is the biggest penis in sport, but who has the biggest penis in sport, (laughs) leading on from the previous question. Um, So my answer to this question, uh, started and finished his career at Norwich City, 156 appearances for Cambridge United, Uh, Manchester United, Coventry City, Aston Villa, now homes under the hammer, and it's got to (laughs) be Dion Dublin, who is (laughs) rumoured to have one of the most gigantic schlongs anybody has ever seen
0: I've just given you quite a lot of points there but you didn't answer the question so I'm going to take one away but it was worth it all the same okay Phil biggest penis in sport so, uh, you. I'm sorry
3: before you feel and if Thanks. Dion Dublin was on naked attraction you'd only have to reveal his feet <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so Joe Marler definitely made my shortlist, as did Israel Folau. But but actually, I went for somebody who ruins my, um, my uh, entertainment experience when I'm watching rugby. Um, and that's somebody whose opinion is frankly unique, unwant, unwanted, unwarranted, unless you're Nigel Ray. Um, and that is Stuart Barnes. No interest in the guy. He ruins everything.
0: There we go. It had to come up, didn't he? There we are. Okay. Um, still on the theme of um, John Pennacini. I'm going to call him. I've no, no actual idea how his name's really pronounced, but it doesn't matter. Um, who has the... Quickie, this one. Who has the funniest name in sports? And um, we'll back, go back to you, Phil.
1: Oh, there's a, there's a whole absolute raft of them, and anybody can use Wikipedia or Google and find all kinds of stuff. Um, a lot of them are, are funny in an English context, but they're, they're kind of foreign names. So I went for one where some, a parent's actually gone and made a decision to call their child this, and that's Rusty Cunts. <laughs> baseball baseball <laughs> bear from back in the day. His parents must have hated him before he was even born.
0: <laughs> what do you think, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Cunts? What are you, you've got a bounce, bouncing little boy. What are you going to call him? Yeah, Rusty. I mean, where else would you go? (laughs) Russ? Germany, (laughs)
3: 1985, was the birthplace of this German skier, brought to to fruition on the popular game show, uh, The Chase. Bradley Walsh has famously lost the absolute plot during this period of time in the question. Um, The answer to this question is Fanny Schmeller.
2: <laughs> nice Dougie I've got I mean I've got several for you there's Misty Hyman who was a, it's a, here. a swimmer swimmer um, no way <laughs> yeah yep, yeah, Misty Hyman Misty. <laughs> I can't swallow is, your
1: um, thunder there Dougie I, I held back on adding extra names but she was top of the list alright
2: uh, there's uh, Andreas <laughs> Wank the skier hmm yeah. yeah, no, Misty Hyman. I mean, <laughs> you no can't Misty blame Hyman. Mr.
0: and Mrs. Wank for his first name in that case, particular case, but you know,
2: uh, Ron Tugnut, Danger <laughs> Fourpence uh, <laughs> Stefan Kuntz, Fabian Arsman. Um, is he? I mean, is that nominative how, determinism? <laughs> but, um, and then there's your, you know, the American footballers that used to play for the London Monarchs, Horace Morris. Um, I do one of the best. Um I, I don't really know um how you can really go beyond um Neville Neville though. <laughs>
1: neville
2: Neville. <laughs> it's a shit name, so shit he's been named twice.
0: <laughs> there are a distinct category of the ones that you can just blame the
4: parents. <laughs> neville Neville, you've torn your dress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pat. Oh, you talking about skiers reminded me of Peekaboo Street, which is someone I'd forgotten, but that was a fantastic one. Um, I went for Jack Oh, I forgot King. Stubby Clap. Sorry, Stubby Clap. The Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. That's when someone applauds you for bringing the beers back from Sainsbury's. Um, I went for Jack King. and I went for Jack King because of an incident that occurred when I was on holiday and I was listening to some radio commentary. And the uh, commentator said, now what's going on here? Jack King off over nothing, nothing at all. What a mess here at the Lamex. And I was (laughs) hitting myself laughing in front of my mum and dad. (laughs) It's
0: amazing. Jacking off, honestly. Right, um, scores. Russ, 47. Phil, 55. Doug, 64. Pat, you're in the lead with that on 66. And on we go to the platinum jiffy bag question, which finally got uncovered last week with a bit of bit of help um (laughs) russ you can kick us off with this one the question is who did you idolize as a player but now they've retired and appear on social media and tv and so on you realize is just a bit of a dick
3: um yeah so so this guy burst onto the cricket scene uh in the winter of 2014 2015 on a one-day international tour of south africa i believe and uh he then went on to do great things for england cricket um appeared in the 2005 ashes scored untold amount of test match and one-day international runs and probably could have been our best batsman ever or highest run scorer ever had he had not uh fallen out with all of the team and um Management and been a little bit selfish, but ever since his retirement, and there was no, there was no doubting how great he was as a cricketer. Ever since his retirement, he's done quite a bit of whinging and moaning about his treatment, um, all under the guise of telling his story. Um, He has been, uh, he's had the support of Piers Morgan on social media, which in itself um, (laughs) makes makes it almost abhorrent that uh, that he should be blaming anybody else and just generally you know he disappeared sort of out of the limelight for a little while and and all was good because like nobody was clamoring for him to get back in the england team and it was all just you know very nice and serene then he came back uh, having retired from cricket and decided to to say some very uh, uncomplimentary things about Andrew Strauss and Alistair Cook and you know other England greats of that time, and it was all a little bit of sour grapes after the Lord Mayor's show. So for me, you know, as an amazing as a, as a cricketer that he was, you know, all of his actions post cricket have been less than uh, less than great. And also, I couldn't care less about the fucking rhinos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh Kevin Peter Peterson. Douglas.
2: Um here's the thing if if a retired sportsman is on on social media and you don't and you don't really know he's there then he's not a dick the only ones you know that are mm-hmm. on social media that are dicks. So my answer is nobody but for the purposes of a platinum jiffy bag there is no bigger bell end on social media than Stan Collymore. <laughs> On the, he was on the list, yeah. 100%. It, never never
3: a greater uh, part of a radio show phone-in when, uh, when somebody was talking about a goal, somebody smashed a goal into the top corner and he went, oh yeah, he hit that harder than you hit Ulrika.
2: Really,
3: <laughs> one of the greatest no, moments on sport I mean, ever. It,
2: it, it, you know, every, they, they, they say that opinions are like arseholes. Well, Stan Collymore must have two arseholes.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, Phil.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm not expecting a huge number of points for this because actually I've I've dropped the word social from uh, from the from the question, um, and I've just gone for all forms of media. So to put it into context, you you get somebody who is a fantastic player, absolute international class, world star player, someone like Brian O'Driscoll, and then they transfer into into a media role, and everything that comes out of their mouth. Is balanced, and he's exactly this, the kind of person that you want him to be. And it's almost like his his stock goes up because of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. He's obviously incredibly knowledgeable, but he but he doesn't come across in a way that's sneering or condescending. Um, and and he can have a bit of a laugh and a joke. Growing up in Somerset in the in the eighties and nineties, um, and I mentioned before that I was fortunate enough to get to a few Bath games. Bath had a fantastic team at the time, but one of the players that made that team tick and one of the players that that really made England tick at the time as well was Guska, Jeremy Guska. Um, And I met him in the players' bar a few times afterwards and I thought, well, he's a bit full of himself, but he's an England international, so be it. But ever since he's transferred into kind of media, everything that comes out of his mouth is just there to try and make him seem better than the other person that he's talked to. It's about... I know this. Is it not obvious? Everybody should know this. And he kind of assumes a level of knowledge that's far too high. He, he doesn't have an ability to put things into the context of other people. And as a result, just seems like a condescending prick. Um, and it's got to the point where he's just a massive turnoff.
3: <laughs> interesting sto- interesting story about Jeremy Guskett. Well, it might not be interesting for anybody else. I uh, I played a mixed doubles match against Jeremy Guskett and Annabelle Croft in the opening of the David Lloyd Tennis Centre in Bristol, circa 1995, 96 Well, smashed the ball
2: in his face. story been hiding? <laughs> yeah. There Annabelle you go. Annabelle Croft's a right sort. She was
3: a sort, <laughs> but, but you're right. <laughs> Guskett was an absolute wand.
0: The, the the ass. whole the whole thing about being in the media as a pundit and talking down to people i don't I, it's it's all too common and it frustrates me so often that people like that that appear that they're better than you, you know the be, the best ones do it in such a way that they they're talking to you as a mate or you know on the same same level it's a fine art and yeah clearly yeah you get you get
1: someone like michael johnson and actually the way he explains things, you, you understand what he's talking about. You can relate to him. He doesn't come across as, as condescending at all. And then Guskett's just the whole other end of the scale.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Pat, finish yourself on this one.
4: Sure. Well, your first things first, Russ needs a clang. Clang-a-lang-a-lang-a-lang-a-lang. But following that, um, I couldn't have gone for Kevin Peterson for this answer because I thought he was a end when he was playing and not just after he finished playing. Um, good point, good point. I, I've gone for a man who won't be in the envelope, but I've gone for um, John Sheridan. He was <laughs> my favourite player growing up. He wore my favourite number, number eight. He scored the winning goal in the Rumblers' Cup final against Manchester United. The only thing any of my teams has ever won um, at the top level while I've been watching. And then he became a manager of lower league clubs and came up against Stevenage and turns out he's a complete end. In 2010, he... Um, they lost to us, and in his press conference, he went, "Oh, it's like playing a team of bodybuilders out there. It's not football at all." I did the maths. Our average height in the outfield players was five foot eleven in that game. The average height of his team five foot 10 and a half. Not a <laughs> massive difference, and not really a surprise that ten professional footballers average five foot eleven. I love,
3: I, lo- I love, I love the fact that you did the maths on that.
0: Any, anybody else, I'd think they're just saying it, but actually, I believe you. So you get hmm. five points just for that <laughs> uh, nobody got the platinum jiffy bag answer um, which I, I could perhaps expected. but as soon as I say his name you will I imagine nod in agreement and it's an absolute England footballing legend um, I think until recently had the most caps ever uh, goalkeeper who retired after Italian 90 Peter Shilton um,
2: Oh, he's got some out. views. Yeah, he's got, he's got some, some views, isn't he? I've he's never he's seen. Him on, I've never seen him on social media ever. Well, seek 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 him out. He's
0: <laughs> um, he he's everything. In fact, don't. The illusion is better. Remember him <laughs> as a goalkeeper and not as a strictly participant or as somebody on Twitter. You'll be a much happier person. So there you go. Okay, next question. And we'll go to you first, Dougie. And it's simply, what is the worst bit of officiating that you've ever seen?
2: Um, so this this is... Um, anyone who listens to all over knows that I don't agree with berating officials in any sense. Um, but the one thing I could really get on board with was an incident that happened in the NFL maybe 10 years ago, I think. And... Um, one that still um, plagues the sport to this very day, which is the Calvin Johnson catch that wasn't. Um, so basically, the Lions were driving down. I think they were playing. Were they playing the Bucks or the Jags? One of the two. It was a Florida team, wasn't it? I think. This is where my research has let me down. I it's probably um, no the
0: team. it's probably the Jags if they were forgettable. Uh,
2: I can I can't remember. Anyway, look. Um, he caught the ball, jumped up, caught the ball. Um, put his hand on the floor so after he's caught the ball he's made a movement he's put the ball on the floor and run off and the referee has just waved it off as a a fumble not not a catch Um, the Detroit Lions lost the game and basically ever since then the NFL has been locked in this sort of quagmire of not knowing when somebody's actually completed a catch now anyone that's seen it knows that it was a catch every single person that's ever played or watched American football knows that it was a catch except one referee who just decided no that's not a catch um and the sport still hasn't really recovered from it it's kind of affected it for over a decade so I'll, I'll go not yeah. nothing funny about it um uh, unless you consider teams losing because of really really bad officiating funny um
0: it's it's incredible but, um, the yeah. effect it, it had because they, they tried to clarify what a catch was a couple of years ago and tweak the rule, but I don't think it's any clearer.
2: No, um, it's and not. It, and, it's... And, but, but the problem is they've made it so murky now that you just can't there there is no clear way out of it. it. It's much like cricket. If you have control of the ball in cricket, you catch the ball. The reason the players throw it in the air isn't to celebrate, it's to prove that they've got control of the ball, right?
0: Yeah, yeah the, the argument in some cases that because yeah, there, was exactly time, there was a time,
2: there was a time in the '90s where players were basically catching the ball and throwing it straight up, even though, you know, and the, and then the the I think the ICC even put out an edit that said that you had to have clear control of the ball before you celebrate, right? Um, yeah, I see. Yeah. Hersch- Herschel
0: Gibbs was the famous the famous one who it wasn't a, wasn't a catch in his case because he threw it up before he even had any control of it, and they didn't give it to him. Yeah, and it just didn't hit his <laughs> hands properly.
2: But by, by trying to sort of define the minutiae of what a catch is and what a catch isn't, you just exacerbate the problem. It just becomes more and yeah. more complicated. If it looks like a catch, the chances are it is a catch, is my uh, assessment of that one.
0: I'm with you all the way. Okay, Pat.
4: I've gone back to Hillsborough for this one uh, and a Nigel Jemson penalty, I remember, from my um... <laughs> youth. I thought you were going to say the, uh, the policeman. No, that would be a little bit more <laughs> <Well>. virtual. <controversial. laughs> also a little bit more before my time. <laughs> it's not so, really um, on the officials. Yeah, fine. No. Um, Jemson was running on, onto a through ball. Um, defender slid in to try and intercept it. Missed it completely. Jemson hurdled him about 20 yards from goal. Took three more strides at full speed into the box. till he was about a yard into the box and then threw himself on his front. And the referee gave the penalty. And I was sitting in the cop. And all the fans around us were going. Well, I mean, we've got a penalty, so we're glad. But what the fucking hell was that? It's ridiculous. I, lo- I love the fact that
0: that helped your own team, and you're still in disbelief about it. What's well, probably twenty years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, madness. Um, Phil.
1: So it's, it's there's this thing with with sport, where international sport, where they try and bring. Um, bring smaller nations in together. And it's as true for officiating as it is for playing. And uh, you see it at every World Cup, be it rugby, football, whatever, where there's some referees who just really aren't up to the mark and and they're there because of where where they're from um, and about increasing participation in the sport in that area. Um, I'm going to take you to the 22nd of June, 1986. Ali bin Nasser from Tunisia, Uh, Argentina, England, World Cup quarter final, nil nil at half time. Gets about ten minutes into, about five, five or six minutes into the second half. Ball comes across from the right hand side. You've got Peter Shilton, who's about two inches taller than Diego Maradona, with his arm full stretched, can nearly reach the ball. And yet Maradona gets his full head onto it, allegedly, according to the referee. There was absolutely no way from any angle within about three kilometres of that 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 would have looked like it was his head. He's the shortest man on the pitch. I'm making that up. He might not be. Um, and it, it kind of it marred football for quite some time because it clearly should never have been a goal. And what we should have been doing at the end of that match is celebrating his other goal, which was fantastic. Or obviously, as England fans, commiserating the fact that we've been knocked out of the World Cup.
3: Let's but... be fair, he ran past Terry Fennec and Peter Reid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can only well, play what's in front of you, Russ. You can only play what's in front of you.
0: Barry, Barry um, Davis famously, of course, comes, comes out with the line, you have to say, that's magnificent. Uh, and yeah, it's five minutes after the ludicrous ludicrous officiating had happened. Um, he never, re- never refereed again, did he? The Tunisian um, chap. Oh, you coming I'll, on
1: to I'll, that? I'll, I'll say no, he didn't. <laughs> no, I, I, I hadn't looked at that to be honest. Yeah, I apparently, think... um, apparently in 2015, Maradona visited his house to pay tribute to him and gave him gave him an Argentina jersey.
0: Yeah, called him it, his paternal
3: friend. And a couple of bags of
1: cocaine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Russ, worst bit of officiating.
3: There's loads in there. This uh, Howard, Howard Webb, um not Howard Webb, Graham Poll in the World Cup booking the same player twice and not sending him off. Um, but my worst piece of officiating is actually a World Cup qualifier, uh, second leg part de France, Republic of Ireland versus France. Ties one all after in during extra time after after the end of the second leg, and Thierry Henry. Has basically caught the ball, ran round Shea Given, and passed it in the middle to William Gallas, who has tapped it home. Henri um, admitted afterwards that he knew he it was obviously a handball. He did it on purpose, and you know, every, not just the referee, but all the officials that were there on that night missed it. And I think it wasn't long after that that they they thought about initiating the uh, behind the goal. Referees that do absolute or assistants to do absolutely fuck all,
0: <laughs> yeah, just because of that, yeah,
2: ludicrous. I'm quite cool with that because it meant that all the uh, all the lovely guys from Ireland were quite pissed off, <laughs> <laughs> all, all, the, all the great mates, yeah, yeah
3: there's more to Ireland than this.
0: No, there isn't. Badly tarmac drives in this country. Um, <laughs> horses running through council estates. <laughs> okay, a quick look at the scores. Um, Phil, you're trailing, I'm afraid. On eighty three, Russ eighty six, Dougie on ninety one, and Pat in the lead on ninety two. Um, with I don't know if you've been watching it, the match of the day. have been doing a podcast each week and a little show dis- discussing a top ten of of everything. Um, last week, they did the top 10 bonkers moments in the Premier League. And number one, of course, was the Cantonar Kung Fu kick at Crystal Palace. Uh, with that in mind, what's the most bonkers sport you've ever seen outside of football? Um, Patrick, start us
4: off. I'm going to take you to Snetterton in 2016, in the British Touring Cars Championships. It was a really packed, tight grid, 30 odd cars there. Uh, about two thirds of the way back in the pack. Uh, Mark Howard was pushed into a spin. Um, he, the front of his car hit the pit wall, hit that which propelled him backwards across the track, um, kind of slowly shepherding all of the other cars out towards the outside of the track. Um, he hit the side of Mark Hunter, who was overtaking him, um, which flipped Mark Hunter's car into a roll. The second roll took it onto the outside Arnco. The third roll took the back of that car into a camera gantry. And you see in slow motion the camera gantry topple. The cameraman, uh, Mr. Phil White, bailed. No lasting injuries, fortunately, but it's really one of the most crazy incidents I've seen in, in any sport and uh, spectacular why I think I you need to,
3: uh, to YouTube that, for link it to for people to see that tomorrow
4: well funnily enough Adam's already seen it but I will I uh, put it to uh, all over account tomorrow Doug's um... showing us now a focus phone Oh, oh he's got Phil White in his phone. I thought he might have knew. But... <laughs> oh, <but he's... clears throat>
3: My mate, Phil
2: White. All right, humble brag.
4: It's <laughs> only the second best clang of the show to fair. We're all,
2: we're all unemployed now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil.
1: So I'm going to take you back a couple of years to a European Cup match um, between Toulon and Bath. So you've got Chris Ashton, who um, is... is He's a pretty decent winger. He's done fairly well for England, playing for Toulon, but playing at fullback, not his natural position. Um, game tie, game pretty close, 14-6, I think it was at the time, with about 20 minutes to go. Um, Toulon take a quick line out. Ball gets passed to Ashton somewhere near his post. and It's not it's not a fantastic pass, but it's, it's a decent enough pass. And Ashton goes to boot the ball. He's behind his post at the time, boot the ball out into touch. And he does what we've all done as an eight or nine year old kid, which is try and welly the ball too hard, skew it off the outside of your boot, and the ball goes at about a 45 degree angle towards where you're, at, where you're aiming. Maybe yeah, not you, bad. Russ. Maybe <laughs> not you, Russ, but the rest of us <laughs> have all done it. Um, then spirals spectacularly in the air towards the touchline where a waiting Jonathan Joseph catches the ball. But it doesn't end there. Ashton, realising how much he's cocked up, goes to run across towards the touchline to go and tackle Joseph and then trips himself up and completely face plants in the dead ball area whilst Joseph tiptoes around him to score underneath the post. It was the kind of thing you would expect to see in a third-team game down at Newquay if Newquay had a third-team anymore. Um, but yeah, it's, it is the worst bit of, of uh, the biggest cock-up I've ever seen from a professional rugby player.
0: I think we're going to want four YouTube links after this, potentially. Um, Doesn't ring a bell, that one, actually. Uh, Russ?
3: Um, Bizarre moments in sport. 28th of June, 1997. Uh, MGM Grand, Las Vegas... The sound and the fury: Mike Tyson versus Evander Holyfield, Mark II. The the infamous biting of the ear incident. I mean, we all knew that Mike Tyson was slightly deranged by that point. Um, he'd taken a few knocks to the head, as most boxers do. But uh, as much of an animal as Mike Tyson is, I don't think anybody uh, anybody actually thought he would he would go as far as to biting one-inch chunk out of Evander Holyfield's ear. So, for me, one of the most bizarre things ever to happen in sport is Mike Tyson biting off Evander Holyfield's ear.
0: Yep. Absolute madness. Um, Weirdly, there was a biting incident in the top ten of the Premier League history. I think you can guess who that was. Uh, Doug, what's your most bonkers moment in sports?
2: The one I remember the most actually sitting and watching was when I had the centre. Um, ran out of talent at the Tamburello, and um, yeah. found it a little bit too tricky. But the the weirdest thing surely has got to be Andreas Escobar being assassinated by Pablo Escobar's drug cartel for, for scoring a new goal at the World Cup. I mean, got dark with these we, answers. <laughs> no, nobody, unfortunately, like
3: there's no YouTube link for that one.
2: No. <laughs> thankfully. Um, no, I mean, nobody likes losing, but Pablo. your Jets, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I'm laughing at Russ. I'm not laughing at death, I promise. Tonight, we talk about uh, death. Honourable honor, mention in light of Phil's answer as well to Maulover's um, um, uh, favourite fly half. Andy Goode? No, Ben Botica.
3: Oh, Ben Botkin! Oh yes, yeah. Was it? No further explanation
2: needed. Quins against Montpellier,
1: (laughs) was it? Quins against Montpellier, who he was going to play for in about three weeks' time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Banter.
0: Okay, as we as we go into any other business, Pat is five points ahead of the field. Um, Doug and Russ, you are on the same score, so any other business could be vital. Phil, you can catch them as well, four points behind them, so why don't you go first?
1: Yeah, I'm probably not going to with this, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so I was chatting to a friend who uh, lives just above Porth Beach in Yuki, so um, one of the one of the beaches on the outskirts in Yuki, and he said on Sunday that the beach was probably about as busy as it is in the, in a, on a standard summer day. Um and I've certainly noticed that the roads around here have got a lot busier. There's a lot more people out and about than there ever have been. I think probably 80% of the population are doing what they should be doing, but 20% of them are just pushing the boundaries further and further and further. And I just think that if if we as a country, as a society, can just suck it up for a little bit longer, we can get back to normal quicker. And I just think that people are just being ultimately selfish and ruining everybody else's everybody else's lives just for a little bit of fun for themselves like don't get me wrong it's not easy so i like we're very fortunate where we are that we can i can go for a bike ride and not see anybody for 10 15 minutes that's that's not a problem and i understand that not everybody is in that same situation but like just suck it up for a little bit longer and then everybody can get back to, to normal. Doug can start getting some money, so he can start moaning about some other shit, like Irish people or tennis. Um and like we can all just move forward with our lives. Not that I don't enjoy punching chat, because I do enjoy punching chat. We might decide to carry on punching chat after coronavirus is finished. But I wanna I wanna get out and about and and live life normally, and that's only gonna happen if people suck it up and stop being selfish
0: yeah
2: mm, I'm not sure I agree, but whatever
0: oh well well, go next doug
2: yeah i'm uh, so i i was gonna on on the same point really um this week's been a particularly sort of bad week for me um I've kinda hit a wall with this stuff now, um seeing leagues get cancelled around the world, seeing constant updates. Saw an update yesterday about um, robot cameras filming the rest of the rugby, which I don't think is going to happen, but, you know, they're they're talking about it. Um, The constant coronavirus updates, the fact that Netflix uh, can't get coronavirus documentaries out quick enough, the fact that there is just a relentless stream of bad news, the the fact that, you know... um, we're in a position where we, we seem to think that staying in is going to get things back to normal quicker. But if you listen to the government, getting back to normal quicker is probably this time next year before we can go and have a beer in a pub. Um, Donald Trump's a, a, a raging wet wipe of a human being. But... I, for the first time ever, I'm inclined to agree with uh, the the cost. Is that, a dis- it's, is that, is that a disinfectant? Not, if it not
1: is, the disinfectant quote? Not the disinfectant
2: quote. Not not the disinfectant quote. The, but the, the, the cure thing. can't. The, the cure can't be worse than the the cost. If you see what I mean, or we'll see what he means. The the the, the, the 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 solution can't be worse than the outcome of the problem. Because I, I believe that I'm, I'm starting to believe that the longer this goes on, the there the will be irrecoverable damage done. It feels like we're
3: people. it feels like we're digging ourselves into a hole that we're not going to be. Able, we, 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 we haven't, we haven't got a We haven't got a ladder to get out of. No, <clears> and, it's and I'm starting to become a little bit
2: genocidical about this. And I'm I'm kind of like, well, there's a lot of us. Maybe we just need thinning out a bit. So let nature take its course.
3: Natural selection.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, there's. It's not much. Not well. If we're going to get into this in all seriousness, it's not. Not really. Well, it doesn't feel very punching chat, and it's also. Yeah, there is. There isn't that much. You could say that's positive when you look at it along those lines, so, um, because there are so, you know economics you know and health. No they're pretty. Business.
2: Yeah, I've got no any other business because I've sat in my house for the last six weeks. Fair enough.
3: That's some points. <clears throat> there you go. Nobody wants will hear
2: about my fucking chilies again. Scan consolation. <laughs> that is, that, not a euphemism. Um,
3: Russ, go. I was, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna steer away from the the coronavirus. Was like, the daily briefing is doing my head, and a Robert Peston can fucking get in the sea. Because it you know, is just is that the daily briefing where yeah. they dress up yeah.
2: the same five slides as being brand new information. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, look just point. Our, our curve has gone ever so I... slightly down. It's it's like watching the world's longest stop motion animation.
0: I want to just tell them how to label axes properly. <laughs> I... Just basic Microsoft Excel
2: skills would be would be nice. <laughs> It's, it's, it's the just fucking government. Can't use it it's, it's
3: They're probably Laura, trying to use Apple sheets. Laura Kunisberg and Robert Peston asking the same questions repeatedly. I did see a, a Robert Peston try to bolt on a question to Matt Hancock the other day, and that was he, genius. He, and he just he he spent about three and a half minutes asking a question without actually asking anything, and at the end of it, he stopped, and Matt Hancock just went no and then moved on which I thought was
1: brilliant uh, um, Peston's a fucking plump he, like, he, he, plum. he was, he was asking uh, I can't remember who it was. It was, it was it was it was either an epidemiologist or somebody quite high up in Department of Health um, about tests and claiming that the guy had his information wrong now I'm I'm not an epidemiologist but I know about tests and I know the difference between an antibody and antigen test and Robert Peston doesn't um, but he's so supercilious about the whole thing he's just a He's a prick.
3: Anyway, just my actual. Any other business? I wanted to do a recommendation. Um, there is a for those of you that that do have Sky. There is a new uh, mini series called Gangs of London that is on um, on the on demand, and it is absolutely phenomenal. And if you've got the ability, you've got the time, or whatever, just watch it because it is absolutely fucking amazing. So it's one of the best things I've seen. For a, for a long time.
2: Fair enough.
3: And it's real. Yeah. It's real angry. If you like real angry violence with prolonged fights, like fight scenes, like punching fight scenes and gunfights gun fights, it is, I feel like amazing. if
2: I was fifteen, I'd be in, into that. It's good, but mate. I'm not. I'm I'm forty, and I like devs. So there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Patrick, finish us off.
0: I've got to stop saying that, by the
4: yeah, way. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I it's about the closest lesson. I get. <laughs> I learned some important lessons on Twitter this week. I learned that you shouldn't take the piss out of Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton fans have no sense of humour whatsoever, which perhaps shouldn't have been a surprise because neither does Lewis, so maybe that's why they empathise with him. Um, Monday morning, a friend of mine tweeted a... Uh, an article on Lewis which used a really old photo for the um, advertising cover and he just kind of asked why have they used such an old photo of Lewis and I just without thinking jokingly responded oh you know they had to go back that far to find a picture of him with a non-ridiculous haircut little mild joke came back onto Twitter like six hours later after I'd done some work My mentions were full of people calling me a racist for uh, taking the piss out of Lewis Hamilton's hair. I was like, guys, really? What? Where were you on Saturday when I took the piss out of uh, Jack Grealish's hair? In my picture of Kim Jong-il and I was like, Jack Grealish is putting some weight during the lockdown. Jesus. Uh, Do you reckon
3: he's dead or not?
4: Mm. Jack Grealish. We can only hope. (laughs) Oh, cruel. Cool. But it's interesting, and you know, you're very if you're very quick to drop the race card when you actually need it. People aren't going to take it as seriously. It's like crying wolf. (laughs) But
0: the Twitter's just full of that, and it it totally takes away the value of when there actually is an injustice. um, It just gets missed because there's so many non injustices that get jumped all over, like you taking the piss out of Lewis Hamilton's hair. Anyway, people um, people
3: taking offence.
0: Yeah just to be seen to take offence. Um, all right, well, the scores have ended up pretty close. Doug, you are 108. Phil, you are also on 108. But in the final, we have Pat on 111 and Russ on 113.
3: I wasn't expecting that.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, Pat, you came you came second, so you, for Defend the Undefendable, you will get to choose whether you'd like to go first or second.
4: I'll go second.
0: While I flounder around and set a timer, and because we're recorded on a different night, Siri doesn't know I'm about to do that. But there we go, 22 seconds. You said you go second, didn't you? So, Russ, um, you are going to defend if the ECB, sorry, if the ECB should only cancel 100 if they pay Kevin Peterson his full potential earnings for commentary, as it wouldn't be fair on him to miss out.
3: Well, it wouldn't, because we all know that Kevin Peterson will be the premier Commentator in the 100 this year, along with Chris Hughes from Love Island, who apparently was going to be one of the hosts. Um, and if you're going to pay Kevin Peterson, you may as well have him front and centre at all times. Whilst the 100 is going on, whilst the game is being played, he may as well stand in the Time middle of
0: bat. Time is up. Um, Pat, you're defending undefendable. The NFL... In fact, yeah, I'll go with this. The NFL should reverse its mid-90s expansion, removing the Carolina Panthers and Jacksonville Jaguars from the league as there are too many teams for fans to remember.
4: It seems like a fair point to me, particularly given the way the team's just drafted, that um, they're clearly drafting for the long-term future, not the short-term future. And if they don't want a short-term future, then why should they be bothered playing next year at all? I think we should just kick them out of the league and go back to the core clubs, frankly.
0: that's four blank seconds, and you—you you know, <laughs> dead air is a crime. <laughs> air, Who it? needs twenty-two? <laughs> so, Russ, you are going to win this week's punching chat. Get
1: in! I think um, that's
3: my second punch. You that's your
1: first well. That's your second, is it? Yeah. We yeah, need, we we need some kind of league table somewhere. I oh, well, yeah. If only oh,
0: you mean the result stuff. actually matters. What? Yeah. I'm going to start taking my job more seriously then. Yeah, I'm not. Go.
3: Thanks, Adam. Another amazing punching chat. Some more well, great questions. Thanks, Pat, for for joining us. We do have yes. a, a waiting list. Hopefully Ben will be back next week. I might even take a seat next week. Take a good step out to the side bench. I know we've got um, Dan Cure, who's listened to them all over for a long time. He wants to go. Uh, George Ferris is also keen to, to get involved. I know there's a couple of guys, um, Matt and... James from Rugby Saracens, who want to go as well. So if we find ourselves still doing this in a few weeks, then uh, we've got plenty of guests lined up. Um, And JB... Guys,
1: guys, if you do enjoy this, please, please, please send some questions in because I have no idea how Adam comes up with these every week. And there's only so many variations on a theme we can do.
0: Yeah,
3: send some questions and leave some reviews as well. Leave some reviews. Definitely not comparing us to any other... um, Podcast or radio show that you might hear that is now being recorded remotely, and may I add not as well as we do
1: and and when Russ says reviews he does mean multiple please more yeah. than one each
3: yeah across across the uh, across the the pod catchers um Doug, thanks we'll see you next week hopefully well done, mate. uh thanks Phil thanks Pat thanks Adam we will all see you next week, no doubt and uh yeah take care stay safe go well.